In George Orwell's 1984, Winston Smith recalls, perhaps it was the time when the atomic bomb had fallen on Colchester. In 1954, we imagine the events which might have led to that catastrophic disaster and then the nightmare that became Big Brother. Episode 6, Weird Times. Seriously, you are all far too kind. This really has been quite overwhelming. I never once imagined that I would be standing here a representative of the people, but now I am. This is where the hard work starts. You've placed your trust in me, and I promise here and now I will do my very best to make sure the voices of the good people of Gloucester are heard loud and clear. Now, there, there, are, uh, there are a few people I'd like to thank. Uh, obviously, Jenny, uh, who's been my absolute rock these last couple of weeks, keeping the press in check and making sure I haven't said anything too stupid. Um, Pippa and Hetty, uh, who together make such an indomitable team, I'm going to suggest to the party chairman they should be put forward for a seat of their own. <laughs> uh, I would also like to thank Mary, Catherine and Damon and all the other volunteers who knocked on doors posted leaflets and got our message out there. Finally, I'd like to thank my good friend Bob Ogilvy. He's the reason I got into politics in the first place and he gave me the opportunity to serve my country first as his press officer and then as the governor of Fitzsimmons. And he, he apologises uh, for not being able to make it here, uh, offices of state and uh, all that, but let's all raise a glass to Bob Ogilvy. Offices of State, very good. I see you made it. Wouldn't miss this for the world. Who the fuck is Jenny, by the way? Ha! Jealous? No. Oh, you should be. She's the future. I thought you were the future. Yeah, it's not a bad result. You're far too modest. When was the last time someone had that share of the vote? I hope this little victory is not going to go to your head. Ooh, a week is a long time in politics. Exactly. You need to remember your place. The constituency MP, that's all you are. Oh, I think I'm a lot more than that, and you know it. That's why you're here. I'm here to make sure you toe the line. You're hedging your bets, as always. I don't mind. You've always had your uses. Ha! You're hilarious. You really think I would go back to being your lapdog? You'd jump at the chance if it was in your interest. That's what you're good at. Now, come on now, we've always worked well together. And I saw the way Ogilvy spoke to you. I was never that bad. I'm a respected member of the party. People listen to what I have to say. I listened. Sometimes. OK, I'll be more attentive to your needs. I can't believe I'm even having this conversation. Yes, you can. You heard the apathy when I toasted Bob. That's what you're dealing with. Yesterday's man... You underestimate him. Remember, I've known him since our university days. Why didn't you stand back then? Because he was the glamorous one. Good-looking, funny, people loved him. You were the brains behind the whole operation. I was. And now look what's happened. This has all worked out very well for you, hasn't it? Yes. It has, rather. But then... I didn't set out to make a volcano explode and nearly lose my life in the process. Things could have been very different, but here we are. Here we are. 
Thank you for coming, Carl. I mean that, really, I do. I'm happy where I am. I'm not asking you to go anywhere. Just think about all of this. What does it mean for you? You are unbelievable. It's fate. Look around this room at the party faithful. If you don't believe this is the future, that this is just a flash in the pan, go and speak to some other people around the country. I might just do that. Then we'll talk. I won't come running back. Oh, I think you will. And what's more, you'll thank me for it. What are you doing here? I'm pleased to see you too, Mitchell. Uh, sorry. Look, come in, why don't you? Uh, coffee? Same as always. Uh, black, three sugars, please, Jane. Pretty. What? Your secretary. Just your type. Who sent you? <laughs> what? No pleasantries? No catching up? Oh, really, Mitchell? I'm surprised. I was hoping your time here would have tempered those East Coast tendencies. Is this that Rottweiler, Carl... I already told him. We pulled the piece. Who's Carl? Ogilvy's new lapdog. Oh, him. I think I might have bumped into him at the unveiling of the memorial. No, this is not Carl, whatever that means. Thank you, Jane. Just on the desk there. My dear. What a ring. Oh, thank you. When's the happy day? Oh, oh no. Oh, I not an engagement ring? Mitchell, really? My boyfriend works for a jeweler's in Hatton Garden. Of course he does. How lucky you are. Thank you, Jane. That'll be all for now. Right. Get to the point, Janine. Having your cake and eating it? One day that's gonna bite you where it really hurts. Do you even love her? No, not that it's got anything to do with you. But yes, I do, as a matter of fact. A little bit of honesty at last. Perhaps your little trip over the water has mellowed you. Your wife. What was her name again? She knows. Has done for a while. She has her own little English distraction. Oh, good for her. So it's just for show, then. Honestly, Janine, a few more years and I'm out of here. I got my escape plan. A quiet little cottage by the sea. Yeah, something like that. Just you and... Buxom Jane. What do you want, Janine? I want to cash in my chips. Especially as you're about to make a run for it. After which point, I'll be useless to you. Oh, Mitchell. Don't be like that. You'll always have your uses. Not when I'm gone. In your little cottage. <laughs> I know you, Mitchell. Like a moth to the flame. You love the bright lights. Jane doesn't quite strike me as the engaging intellect who brightens up a cold winter's night with her witty repartee. Her talents, I suspect, oh, they lie very much elsewhere. I thought my debt was paid. You said the last time. Did I? Oh, well, maybe I did. Anyway, that was then, and this is now. Time to serve your country again. What if I say no? Oh, have I missed something? Have your two sisters and elderly mother emigrated? I think I would have been told. I'm pretty sure they're still in New Trenton, 
Portland Place, round the corner from that lovely little Italian. Now, what was it called? Yes, that's it. Il Padrino. Oh, their spaghetti vongoli is the best. Can I assume from your deafening silence I have your attention? Good. Ogilvy's on his way out. Who says? I say. <laughs> I always knew you had a god complex, but this is something else. Okay, the people of this fair country. They've had enough of idealism. They want stability, protection. Protection? From what? Eurasia, East Asia, whatever nation is knocking on their door, threatening to burst their way in. Yeah, not Atlantica, then. I think we've clearly established the special relationship between our two countries. Uh, well, you're living proof of that. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. It's a very real threat. Ogilvy is naively wading into a political trap he is clearly unaware of. What are you babbling on about? Why do you think he's been such a detractor of our trade talks? Because he's lined up a deal with another country, one that has always threatened our very existence. <laughs> Rubbish. He wouldn't be so stupid. He would. And he is. There's even talk of a military presence here. You know what that would mean for us. Do you have any evidence of this? Of course you don't. And you want me to run a story on it? No. I want you to be aware of it. That there's a political storm coming. And you will need to choose a side. Your side? Our side. You are aware of a little thing called democracy? They have that here. Bob's got another two years at least. You should know by now, Mitchell. There are lots of different ways to skin a cat. Or a prime minister, it seems. Ah, there you are. Thought you might be hiding from me. I did what you asked of me. And we're very grateful. I'm not scared of you. Really? I'll expose you and Ogilvy. I've done a little bit of digging on your precious welfare force. Have you now? And what did you find out? That they're run centrally, through an office at Whitehall. There are regular meetings, instructions to keep the peace through force. Keeping the peace is a good thing, isn't it? People have gone missing. Okay. Okay, I think you've proved your journalist credentials. My what? That you're more than capable for the job. What job? How do you fancy being Erica Blair's right-hand woman on the radio broadcast? Is this a joke? No joke. The daily broadcast? A dream job. What's the catch? No catch. Just do what you do well. Seriously, you're scaring me. I think I preferred it when you were sending the goons round. Truly, you don't know how sorry I am about that. Got what you wanted? Bob got what he wanted. I'd rather we were on the same side. You do? You'd be surprised. Go on. You were right about Ogilvy. The facade he puts up. But you don't know the half of it. Go on. Not here. Too dangerous. His goons are everywhere. 
Can I get you another drink, sir? Manny, I've told you before. Gonna give me a heart attack one of these days, creeping up on me like that. Sorry, sir. Uh, Miss Rutherford? I'm fine, thank you, Manny. Actually, yes, another for me. Are you sure you won't? No, I've, I've got to get back. Can't be away from the office too long. No problem, miss. Are you okay? I'm getting so paranoid. I'm thinking even people like dear old Goldstein might be spying on me. It's come to something when you can't even gossip in the chestnut tree. I know. Look, I really must get back. You start the broadcast next week. Tennyson's expecting you. Erica is looking forward to having a partner in crime. What about Ogilvy? You'll be safe at the broadcast. Mitchell's a friend. He knows what we're up against, but we have to be careful. This is weird. We're living in weird times. I thought the children were going to be here. They were invited to a party. The both of them? Yes. Perhaps it's for the best. I wanted to talk to you anyway. Pressing issues of state can wait for once. When it comes to seeing my children, yes it does. I'm not going to be the leader of this country forever, but I am going to be their dad. I suppose that depends on how you govern. What's that supposed to mean? This country is becoming more like a police state every day. It is not. You're so caught up in your own magnificence, you can't even see beyond your own eyes. That's unfair. Universal suffrage. If that's your legacy, God help us all. I didn't come here for a political interrogation. I get enough of that from Erica Blair. I rather like Erica. You would. Perhaps I should get her to talk to you about seeing more of my children. Don't you dare. I've never stopped you seeing them. You've been far too busy. And yet they're not here. They've been looking forward to this party for weeks. This is not the first time either. What about last weekend? I had... And last month. That special meal you promised them. It was... Shall we talk about the Norfolk trip? Point made. It's not easy running the country, especially in the last few weeks. With Benson's return. And it's all his fault. I mean, I don't want to tell you that I told you so, except... You told me so. The problem is, he's a bloody national hero, and now I've got him rattling his sabre on the back benches. You're the leader. You can still make a difference. Really? I don't feel like it most days. If you want to do something for this country, get rid of the welfare force. I thought the public liked them. That's what your people are telling you. At best, they're a bully boy militia. And at their worst, an organised gang that rather than supporting the laws of this country are abusing them on a daily basis. I don't think that's right at all. There's no way we could have got universal suffrage through without having them as the intellectual security blanket. And I've heard they're still doing some really positive things for the community. If by positive you mean dragging men out of their homes at midnight and then locking them up indefinitely without charge. That's what happened to Gwen's husband. Richard? Last week. A group from the WF knocked on their door just after midnight. Took Richard away. They won't let her see him. That can't be true. Check it out for yourself. Don't worry, I will. Yourself, not one of your minions. Richard's been a lifelong supporter. I I promise. I'll do it myself. Things aren't right, Bob. I'll look into it, I promise. I miss you, Meg. I miss your counsel, your good sense. I miss not coming home to the children, 
tucking them into their beds. They won't even let me do that now. Getting a bit too big. I'm missing all of this. You are. Maybe I should just throw in the towel. And let that weasel Benson in. No, you stay where you are. Just keep a closer eye on what's really happening out there. More visits to Colchester? That would actually be very nice. Oh, crikey, it's cold today. Why do you think I'm wearing these gloves? Well, I thought it might be a medical condition. Very funny. Last week it was so bitter I thought I was going to lose a finger. You should talk to his nibs. You're kidding, right? Why not? These working conditions are inhumane. It's an accident waiting to happen. From what I've heard, enduring the weather is the lesser of two evils when it comes to making a complaint. Really? That's why Peter's in the tank. I thought it was because he was short. Complained about air conditioning system creating havoc with his psoriasis. Oh, blimey. Poor Peter's. He's got another four months on his posting as well. Look, it's not that bad here. I've been in worse places. Seriously? A few years back at a facility, which obviously I can't talk about. I were working high up, no harness, safety rails or nets, high winds. How one of us wasn't blown over the edge, Lord only knows. At least the views are pleasant here. When they do let you out. I'm trying to get a place with the island team. So there is an island team? Shush! <gasps> It's all hush-hush at the moment. Oh, everything's hush-hush here. Go for a piss and you have to sign a secrecy disclaimer. They're going to be situated in a collection of buildings that overlook the bay. You're kidding. That sounds positively idyllic compared to this underground hellhole. Jenkins is leading it. Oh, shit. Well, that's torn it. Why? Oh, Jenkins doesn't like me. He was my course tutor at uni when, when he was propagating his proton fission theories. You know, the, the ones from 45. He remembers you from then? Yeah, caught my eye in the canteen literally in the first week and has been trying to avoid me ever since. Maybe you're imagining it. Oh, he was the one that banned me from the reactor room. Charlie told me. Oh, you best get used to the concrete then. <gasps> You've been in the reactor room, haven't you? Sorry, it's just one of the attractions of the posting was to... We're not allowed to talk about her, you know that. Yeah, but that's that's just an ego thing, right? No, loose lips and all that. Oh, well, at least give me some hope it's all coming to an end sometime soon. I've got six months left on my posting, and let's just say I'm not planning an holiday anytime soon. <sighs> Wonderful. Where can I get a pair of gloves like yours, then? You got 10 minutes. You do know who I am. Fine. You got 15 minutes. Bob? Richard. My dear friend. Whatever have you done to get yourself in here? Oh, thank God you came. What happened to your face? They roughed me up a bit. What? And when they brought me in. This is outrageous. Don't worry, I'll have you out. Tell me exactly what happened. I just turned up. Said there was a charge made against me. Which was? I didn't say. I got dragged into this cell and I've been here ever since. 
Have you seen a solicitor? I've seen no one. I wouldn't even let Gwen come to see me. I, I knew she'd call you. How long has it been? I don't know. Maybe a week. I kind of lost count of the days. I just want to go home and get back to the yard. Of course. So no one's running the business? Always just be me. Unless Gwen managed to get someone to help out. I'm sure she has. It, it will be fine. Right. Let me go and speak to someone and we'll have you out of here in no time. Guard! You wanted to see me, sir? I bloody well do. You're in charge here, right? I am. Why did you arrest Richard Franks? Sorry, sir, I'm not at liberty to say. I'm going mad. Do you know who I am? Yeah. I voted for you. Oh, well, thank you for voting for me, but I'd like you to explain why my friend has been locked up and why he hasn't seen a solicitor or even been brought up in front of a magistrate. The WF are still deciding on the charges. Isn't that for the courts to decide? Well, eventually, yes, but before the courts can decide, the WF needs to put together their case. How long does that normally take? My friend has been here for a week. Well, you'd have to ask them that, sir. I will. Who is the head of the WF here in Colchester? Don't you know? Aren't you the MP for Colchester? I'm the bloody leader of this country, which means I can pretty much do what the hell I like. I can make your life a misery, your entire family's lives a misery, if I wanted to. I could put you in here and throw away the key, which I might just bloody well do if you don't start being a little bit more cooperative. All right, keep your shirt on. I'm just doing what I've been told. Fine, I'm telling you to let my friend out now. I can't do that, there are rules. I make the bloody rules. Do it now or there'll be trouble, big trouble. Mr Perkins won't like that. Brian Perkins? He's the head of the WF. He might be. Perkins and Sons, the, the wood merchants. Been after Richard Franks's yard for years. I couldn't possibly say. Get him out now. Yes, sir. Good morning. We have a packed show for you today. Martin Sparks, Minister for Travel, will be here, as will leading economist Trevor Cordwell. Gregory Hans, director of the Arts Towers, will be popping in to talk about all things cultural, and we also have a special treat from the Albra Quintet, performing music from their latest album, The Sombre Sounds of the Shingle. We also have Francis Rutherford, back taking a sideways look at political life, and, of course, Maxwell Murdoch has the weather forecast for the coming week. But first, we have an exclusive interview with the leader of the opposition, Mary Brown. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Erika. Things seem to be going from bad to worse for the Prime Minister, which should be good news for you. Yet, in a recent poll, it appears your popularity is at the lowest it has ever been. I don't really hold much store in polls. You did when they had you in the lead. Bob Ogilvie is in what we politicians would call the mid-term blues. But the country is also down in the dumps. Isn't it your job to do something about that? <laughs> well, it would be if we were in government, and I can assure your listeners, Erica, we would do something about it. Times are hard. That is the harsh reality for many people out there, and it doesn't look like things are going to get any better under this government. 
Some would say a lot of this country's ills are down to your party's mismanagement of the country for many years. It's amusing. And I'm sure your new colleague Francis Rutherford would agree with me here how history is so easily brushed aside and forgotten when it comes to apportioning blame. Perhaps we should bring Francis in then. By all means, please do. Good morning, Mary. Morning to you, Francis. Congratulations on your new post. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. Perhaps we should get back to the question in hand. Oh, of, of course. Sorry, where, where was I? Uh... Oh, yes, history. You see, Erica, I think you'll find we ran the country very well for many years, winning several elections. We were regarded by many in the international community as a blueprint for how a democratic, economically vibrant country should be run, as Mr Cordwell, I'm sure, will attest. I'm I'm so glad he's on the show as well. (laughs) Yes, how clever of us. Indeed, Mr Cordwell, one of the most respected economists in the world, will no doubt explain the various intricate complications that led to the downturn many of which were out of our control. But your party failed to combat them. That was your job and you failed. And the people punished us for it. Perhaps quite rightly so. You agree you failed? We were not given an opportunity to put things right. To be fair, Mary, I think the public gave you enough time. I disagree, Francis. Our track record spoke for itself. Another term and we would be in a much better position than we are now. You would be doing better than Bob Ogilvie. As I said before, experience counts for a lot. I'm assuming that's why Frances is here. Well, she's been covering politics for... For more years than we care to mention, eh, Mary? (laughs) Let's leave it at that. (laughs) If you don't mind me saying, it's very easy to sit there and say, we'd do better when you're in opposition. Watching the captain go down with the ship. There's nothing enjoyable about seeing the country I love being destroyed. Come on, Mary. Surely there's a little bit of schadenfreude there, or are the reports true? Frances... I thought more of you. Come on, Mary. Let's put those rumours to bed, if you'll excuse the pun. More than happy to. Again. Bob and I were friends for many years. Were? I don't think we will be for much longer. And why is that? Because I think he should stand down. So you can take over? So someone else in his party can take over. What are you saying, Mary? Are you are you implying... Actually, what are you implying? I'm not implying anything. I think it's fairly obvious Bob has lost the confidence of his party as well as the country itself. His legacy of universal suffrage will remain. I doubt very much that is a policy that will ever be turned around. But the welfare force, his obstinate parochial, almost nationalistic obsession with refusing any kind of international relations. Are you talking about the trade talks with Atlantica? Because I thought you were very much against such a thing. You've been very vocal about the issue, to me. Personally, many times. I have, Francis, I know I have. But as I said before, times are very hard. Perhaps the worst this great country has ever been through. We need friends. We need true friends. And, well, maybe sitting round and seeing what's been put on the table isn't such a bad idea. Won't this alienate us even more? From the likes of East Asia and Eurasia... Well, I haven't exactly seen them beating down the door to help. And, of course, there's the Fitzsimmons affair. The reports have been widely derided as fake. Mm, They have indeed. But I have spoken to some of the islanders who have definite concerns about the threat of invasion. It's something to bear in one's mind moving forward anyway. So who should step in for Bob then? As if we don't know already. 
Ordinarily, he wouldn't be my first choice. But, but you won't let personal prejudices get in the way. Something like that. Not for the good of the country, anyway. Just so I've got this correct. Oh, a nice little exclusive for you there, Erica, on your show. Well, well, yes, thanks, uh, I think. So Bob Ogilvie should stand down, William Benson should take his place, and then he should reinstigate trade talks with Atlantica? It's not for me to say. It's up to their party, and perhaps the people of this country. That's what you believe is good for the country? It is, Francis, Erica. I really believe it will be. And she said I taught her at university. She did. And she was trying to gain access to the reactor room. She wanted to know what was going on in the reactor room, especially with you-know-who. You-know-who? Who we have working in there. Oh, yes, Mel Travers. I thought we weren't supposed to... Well, that's what Mel Travers would lead you to believe. It is just their ego, then. I don't think there's a facility in this entire country that could hold Professor Mel Travers' ego. Still... More fool her. There's no glory to be had here. What do you mean? You don't think they're going to let us go public with all of this, do you? Go on the radio broadcast and tell the world what we've created. Well, I hadn't really thought about it. Good. Don't. This is about as secret as it gets. Anyone who steps out of line, they're out. No, what was it his nibs called it the other day? Oh, yes... They've left the project. <laughs> and we all know what that means. What does it mean? It means they've left the project. Right. Sounds a little ominous. Leaving the project. It's supposed to, but then your friend was a bit of an idiot. She kind of deserved all she got. Leaving the project? Yes, leaving the project. You think she were a spy? Not for me to decide. <laughs> What I will say is I didn't teach her at university. Blimey. Hold up. Isn't that Mel Travers? Oh, she's coming over. Juliet. Colin, how's the island team coming along? Good. Got another interested party here. Hello. Have they been vetted? In the process of. Vetted? Don't want to repeat it yesterday, do we? Indeed. If it wasn't for... Uh... No more cock-ups, Colin. We're being scrutinised now more than ever. We don't want anyone else leaving the project, do we? It were nice to... And she's gone. Wow. Not quite the word I would use. <laughs> vetted. That's a laugh. She's the one who should be vetted. Really? All those peace marches back in the 40s, I'd be vetting the shit out of her if I was in charge. Anyway, enough of all that. So... You want to be on my island team, then? Aye, I do. Good. Meet me on the concourse tomorrow morning at eight. And bring some gloves. You'll need them. Nineteen fifty four is a packing shed production written by Patrick Marlowe and Neil Darcy Jones. Playing the various characters are Richard Conrad. Neil Darcy-Jones, Grace Dunn, Tim Freeman, Ben Jacobson, Charlotte Luxford, Patrick Marlowe and Kate Milner. 
Music is by At Swiffin's Edge, and the series is recorded and edited by Michael Parker, courtesy of Studio 6 Music. 